Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Cuyahoga County Common Police Court. I'm your host, Darren Toms, and as always, we hope you enjoy our discussions about the court and the legal system. Today, we're talking to Judge Stuart Friedman, who will be retiring after the end of 2018. Judge, hello. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, thank you very much for asking me. It's been a, quite a career for you in the Cuyahoga County Common Police Court. How long have you served on this bench? It'll be just under 32 years. Does it seem that long? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. Sometimes it seems as though the, uh, the years have gone by swiftly, and other times uh, I wonder how I've managed to last as long as I have. Let's go back in time a little sure. bit. Tell us a bit about your education and your career before you became a judge. We go back to high school. Shaker Heights, 1962, went on to the University of Pennsylvania, where I graduated in 66, political science. Went right from there to law school at the University of Michigan. So I went east of Ohio, then west of Ohio, and I'm one of the few people in my family, in fact, I think I'm the only person in my family, who never went to Ohio State. Is that still a point of contention at family get-togethers? Well, no, I'm the only one who's left, so uh, unfortunately, that's, uh, that never became much of an issue for us. Uh, my parents were very happy that I uh, got the education I got. I think they would have been just as happy and a lot richer if I had gone to Ohio State rather than Penn and Michigan. But I, actually, I should add on to that that uh, after law school, I spent a year at uh, the University of London, the London School of Economics, where I got my master's. I went originally to do international law, but switched to international history. So i very happy with that. That was a, a wonderful year. Um, maybe not advantageous in my career development, but it was a hell of a good time. When I came back from London, I got a job as a law clerk to uh, Judge Battisti, who was the chief judge on the Federal District Court here in Cleveland. Spent uh, about two years with him, and uh, that ended. Uh, it, was a, it was planned as a two-year experience. And then in 73, I started with the Public Defender's Office, worked there for two years doing criminal appeals. Then I went to the, a law firm for two years in the city of Cleveland for 10 years, where I did uh, civil litigation, mainly torts litigation, personal injury cases, some police misconduct cases, and uh, represented the Civil Service Commission. And uh, that gave me my one opportunity to appear in the U.S. Supreme Court, where uh, we had a case that's fairly well-known in legal circles, uh, Loudermill, uh, which concerns the uh, public employee's right to have a pre-termination hearing. It was a little convoluted, but uh, I enjoyed the experience. And did and you then, win? Actually, we did win, even though the school board lost because he was entitled to a pre-termination hearing, they found. Uh, with the Civil Service Commission, the issue was the length of time it took us to hear and determine uh, to a, a, affirm the uh, actions of the school board. And uh, as I say that, uh, we did win. 
I'm fairly proud of that, even though I played a minor role in it. And then uh, I got appointed by Governor Celeste to the Common Pleas Court. What year was that? 1987. I have to commend Governor Celeste. Uh, I doubt that he'll be watching this podcast, but uh, in any event, he made a number of uh, unusual appointments. He appointed me, the uh, at the time, the only Jewish judge, Jose Villanueva, who was the only Hispanic judge, Peter Sikora on juvenile court, who was the only ha- handicapped disabled judge. So I felt... Uh, I owe him a debt of gratitude for that. What do you think has really changed about how the legal system works now compared to when you started as a judge? The most obvious change is the fact that we now, everything is done on computer. We used to get, um, every two weeks, uh, the docket would be printed off and we'd get the huge number of pages of uh, docket entries that we would have to look up that way. In fact, before then, everything used to be done in what they called the red books, where it would have to be entered by hand and taken downstairs to central scheduling, and they would type it into a journal entry and then send them back upstairs to us to be signed. Now everything is done on computer. Some judges... Uh, have their bailiffs do them. I do most of the uh, entries in court on my own. That way I I claim that uh, I'm responsible for any mistakes that creep in there. It certainly made things a little bit easier for you, I would think. It's a lot easier, a lot uh, more expeditious. There, there are fewer opportunities for errors to come up. It's quicker because the entries don't have to be taken downstairs, typed up, and then brought back upstairs to the judge. I'm glad for that. Other than that, I think the nature of judging is still pretty much the same. There are differences. When I started, the big thing was uh, cocaine and crack cocaine. Now the big problem, of course, is heroin, fentanyl, carfentanil. But those are relatively minor differences. They are differences in, in extent, but not in kind. We still have to do the same job that we did before, determining guilt, innocence, sentencing, settling criminal, uh, civil lawsuits. That doesn't change fundamentally. It seems that we've moved from being more of a um, incarceration-based system to more of a help-based system now. Yeah. Do you think that's the case? Uh, I would tend to agree with that. Judges are often being turned into social workers with things like the drug court and intervention in lieu of conviction. A lot of the matters that we had to deal with before where we would sentence somebody to prison Now we give them probation, we monitor their performance. I think some changes have been for the good. For example, we used to have a requirement that every time somebody was found guilty or pled guilty in any drug case, whether it was marijuana or heroin, cocaine, PCP, they would uh, lose their license for a minimum of six months up to a possible five years. 
in many cases, losing your driver's license meant you would lose your job or you would lose your home. I think it's it's been for the good. The problem is, of course, we're not trained as social workers. We're trained as judges. And maybe we need more training in the social aspects of the job. When you look back on your career, are there any cases that really stick out in your memory as ones that you'll carry with you forever? Uh, anything involving a capital murder charge. And in 32 years, I've had two cases in which the defendant was charged with capital murder and found guilty, and I did have to impose the death penalty. One of those was a uh, jury trial, and one was uh, they waived a jury, the defendant waived a jury, so we had a three-judge panel. Those are the most wrenching decisions that anybody can make over a lifetime. Even where the facts and the law make it clear that we have no alternative but to impose the death penalty, it is a, a challenge to your psyche. Uh, I don't care whether you're pro-death penalty or opposed to it. It's difficult, a difficult decision to make. When somebody is standing six feet, ten feet away from you, and you have to tell him or her that uh, you are going to be executed. In both cases, by the way, the defendants uh, have not yet been executed. In one case, uh, he was found not competent to be executed, and so he's uh, in a state mental hospital. Uh, The other case uh, was reversed as to the penalty, by the court of by the Sixth Circuit Court, U.S. Court of Appeals, and uh, that is going to be reheard by another judge. What advice would you have for young attorneys who are getting ready to start their legal careers? Try to get as much experience as you can in trials, in negotiations, civil or criminal. Negotiations are where the decisions are often made. Well, you have to be prepared. You have to know your case. You have to know the other side's case. And then you're in a better position to, to negotiate with the, your opposing counsel, whether it's as a prosecutor negotiating with the defense counsel, defense counsel negotiating with the prosecutor, or in a civil lawsuit. You have to be prepared, know everything about the case that you can. That's main piece of advice I would want to give to a young attorney. When you look back at being a judge, is it everything you thought it would be? In most respects, yes. I had the advantage of my father's example. He was a judge for 24 years before me. So I wasn't totally surprised by the good and the bad aspects of it. And also the fact that I worked for a federal judge for two years. So I got to see the workings of the court, of that court from the inside. So I wasn't totally taken aback by it. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you'd like to add? First is that I was the one who was responsible for us getting on the Internet. I remember exactly how it developed. Uh, we had our local rules that were constantly being reprinted and they would go out of print right away and 
people would not be able to get copies of them. Of course, they'd be outdated almost before the ink dried. So I proposed putting that on the Internet uh, where they could be updated and accessed uh, easily. And what year are we talking about? Mid-1990s, I think about 1995 or so. And one day our then court administrator complained that uh, people were asking for our docket to be unloaded uh, to them every day so that they could then turn around and make a profit by selling that information to lawyers and news media and the public. And I suggested, well, we had to uh, provide it because it's a public record, but we could take the profit motive out of it, out of the uh, equation, by making it uh, available ourselves. And, of course, that's what's happened since then. The other thing I'm rather proud of is uh, a number of years ago, I read an article in which the news media editorialized uh, about what a wonderful job my father was doing by encouraging uh, open discovery in civil lawsuits. Well, I decided that it was more important even that we do this in criminal cases. So I worked with other uh, judges and lawyers. We devised a system of access to the uh, discovery and made open discovery a rule in Cuyahoga County. And very, very quickly after then, the, U- the Ohio Supreme Court adopted that as a statewide rule. But it would not have happened if uh, I hadn't taken the bull by the horns back then and encouraged that. And as a matter of fact, it's helped not only defense lawyers, but prosecutors. They found that it's easier to resolve a case when all the information is out there. So it's uh, benefited everyone, including, of course, the judges. Proud of those accomplishments as much as anything I've done. And we all have cases that we think were well-decided, cases we wish we could go back to and maybe come up with a different resolution. But on the whole, I feel very good about my 30-plus years on the bench. Well, Judge Stuart Friedman, we wish you the very best in retirement. We hope you you truly enjoy it, and thank you so much for talking with us. Thanks very much. I appreciate your uh, coming up here and asking me and uh, giving me a chance to talk to the podcast.